Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The following program was pre-recorded and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. It's time now for a smart plain talk regarding politics, Israel, and the law. This is the Victory Hour with Andrew Parker of Parker Daniels Keyboard. Wise counsel, winning results. Now, here's your host, Andrew Parker. I'm impressed with my attorney, Bernie. I'm impressed with his influential friends. He's got very big connections, and I It's Sunday, 4 o'clock, and that means it's the best hour in radio of the week. It is the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker, and each Sunday, 4 to 5, we talk politics, Israel, and the law. 4 to 5 Central on 1280 AM, The Patriot. It replays, our show replays, if you miss it, from 4 to 5. Uh, from 6 to 7 Central on Freedom 1570. And you can live stream across the world. And we do have folks, certainly across the United States, from San Francisco to Austin, Texas, from Bozeman, Montana to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and then uh, up the coast of Spots like New York City and Boston, Mass. Listening in. And we appreciate you each week. You know, uh, for the victory hour, you all have your yellow pad and number two pencil handy. Jot this down because coming weeks, well, we're in the midst of our Minnesota Congressional Parade on the Victory Hour. As you know, we have eight members of the House of Representatives that make up the delegation to the House from the state of Minnesota. Two of them from the central cities and the most liberal of congressional districts, certainly in the top ten in the entire country, uh, but arguably uh, at least Ilhan Omar's seat, probably in the top three in the entire country. Ilhan Omar, while we've invited her a number of times to come on the show, uh, has not and appears to not be willing to from the 5th Congressional District. And Betty McCollum won't come on the show either from the 4th Congressional District. But the other six members of Congress, as you know, uh, come on the show and, frankly, from both sides of the aisle, because that's the respectful discussion we have on the Victory Hour, they've come on the show a number of times. A few weeks ago, we had Dean Phillips on the show. Today, we're going to have the congressman from the 8th Congressional District, Pete Stauber, joining us on the Victory Hour. Next week, we're going to have Congressman Brad Finstead 
the junior member of the House delegation from the state of Minnesota, just elected in the recent November 2022 election, Stauber representing the 1st Congressional District. Then uh, later in February, Michelle Fishback from the 7th will be joining us. And uh, at the end of February, Angie Craig from the 6th Congressional District will be joining us. And then in March, we hope to have uh, Majority Whip Tom Emmer, third most powerful member of the House of Representatives. And as you know, made up of 435 members, the third most powerful member, and that is the majority whip just behind the Speaker of the House and the majority leader. Tom Emmer is the majority whip for the Republican Party, and he'll be joining us, uh, we hope, in March. In the midst of that, on February 12th, Jerry Anderson, political raconteur, will be on the Victory Hour, and you heard a few months ago the show that Jerry and I had on air, and it was a, uh, well, it was one of the favorites out there, I think, so we're having a reprise of that. And Jerry is going to be rejoining us. Should be a very interesting discussion. So stick with us today, as Pete Stauber will be on the air shortly. You know, there are a couple of topics I want to cover that have been bugging me. I want to talk about them now because our government is failing us. Uh, And it's so obvious, patently obvious. And no one's doing anything about it. Uh, No one can reasonably argue against the obvious failure of our policies as it relates to Drugs and drug addiction in this country and the deaths from the drugs pouring over the border in quantities that we have never seen in the history of this country, causing addiction, more so causing death, ravaging our young, our youth population, ravaging our streets. Our cities being destroyed. Taking away the God-given talents and abilities given to each one of us because that's what drug addiction does and that's what drug use does. And it doesn't just affect the person, the drug user. It affects their entire family. It affects the entire community, the fabric of our country, really. So are we enforcing the laws as it relates to drugs? No. Are we providing for rehabilitation or treatment? Are we engaging in interdiction that can stop the flow? Are we taking any action? Well, we're taking one action. We're enabling it. That's the action that we're taking. And it is a disgrace. How are we enabling it? We're opening up centers to all but encourage the drug use. To continue it, to allow it to continue to flow. And we're enabling it. 
And yes, it is a disgrace. And Republicans need to stand up and call it out for what it is. Some would say, well, they have. I mean, they've been talking about it. They've done nothing. And we need to forcefully do it. We control the House, pass bills, get them sent over to the Senate, whether they get done or not, show the culprits for who they are, the culprits in public policy, in politics. And that's the Democratic Party that turns a blind eye to this suffering and destruction and undermining of our society. Second issue I want to quickly discuss is immigration. Another disgrace that is there. Now, is immigration a disgrace? No. You know I am a liberal, open-arms, immigration supporter. But not unchecked. Not without a legal standard of what it takes to come into the country. People, particularly those on the left, often say, hey, this is a country of immigrants. And as an American Jew, you should be supporting an open door. This country in its history, in its tradition, has had open arms to immigrants, except at certain times when there were quotas and it caused a lot of death and destruction for sure. But I will tell you, those open arms didn't come with an unchecked system of people flowing across the border, not knowing who they are. And it's dangerous and it's overrunning our systems. Republicans are now in control of the House. Pass closure of the border until we get a policy that works and laws and a system of order for bringing immigrants into this country with a big open door, but checked. All right, we're revving, we're rolling. And we'll be back after this short break. Joined by Congressman Pete Stauber. Make sure to stay with us. Go to ParkerDK.com to learn about the top law firms downtown Minneapolis. Wise Council winning results. Parker Daniels keyboard. We'll be back. Stay with us. It's the Victory Hour. staying with us. Oh, I'm glad I got that off my chest. <laughs> On the other side, I just, it's, uh, it's bugging me, and I look forward to the Republican-controlled House now to take care of some of those issues as it relates to uh, drug use across this country that liberal policies are enabling, and immigration, wide open borders, you know, anybody come in and and uh, the left just claims, hey, this is a country of immigrants. Yeah, it, it is, but they weren't 
unchecked. I mean, you had to go through Ellis Island. It was a whole process, but it was open door. And that's what we want, but it needs to be checked. You know, uh, I am honored to once again have on the victory hour congressman from the 8th Congressional District now working on, oh, big victory in 2018, victory in 2020, now a victory in 2022, and, you know, it's going to continue. And and the reason it's going to continue is because he represents his constituents. He not only fits that district, but he is a common-sense hard-working guy that just goes to Congress and speaks for the hard-working people of this country. Unlike those in their ivory towers, and I'm talking about Congressman Pete Stauber, professional hockey player, retired law enforcement officer, uh, involved in his community, taking positions on, whether it be in Hermantown or at the county level, and now a member of Congress, the House of Representatives, great friend of the Victory Hours, been on the show a number of times. Pete, great to see you again. I haven't seen you in a while, and I miss you. You know, I was just out in D.C. with Danny, and I know you set up and had a meeting with him. I was supposed to be there. I'm sorry that I got caught up on a phone call that lasted for three hours, but great to see you today on the Victory Hour. Well, Andrew, th- it's great to be here, and, and uh, thanks for those very kind comments, and and I'm just thrilled to be with you on the Victory Hour again, and uh, I just appreciate our friendship, and I, I appreciate your show. Well, the first question I have for you is, what's going on? I think it's your nephew, Jackson Stauber. What, what's going on there? Holy mackerel, right? Well, I think that, I mean, my, it's my nephew. It's my brother, Rob. So, yep. Uh, Son, who's also a goaltender, uh, Rob played in the National Hockey League, and, yep. and my nephew uh, started his first National Hockey League game uh, last week against the St. Louis Blues. So he plays for the Chicago Blackhawks, and uh, he won. And yeah. uh, we're, and I'm told tonight that he's going to start against uh, Calgary. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I, I'm very proud of Minnesota hockey and the and the product that we we give to U.S. colleges and of course the National Hockey League and. I'm the congressional liaison to the National Hockey League, so yeah. it's really important that we get a stopper up there performing again just like his father. You're darn right. The state of hockey. I'll be going to the wild game tonight. By the or, uh, uh, I went to the wild game earlier in the week, and I'm going to be going to a couple more coming up in February. Just love them. Yeah. So I want to turn to uh, the new Republican majority. Uh, which you are now a part of, and uh, we we all couldn't be happier uh, rather than talking, you know, uh, uh, trying to make some sense from the back benches. It's always good to be driving policy. What can we expect from uh, the Republican majority, Pete? Well, first off, I've never served in the majority in the U.S. Congress and the House, and and this is. Uh, you know, my first uh, time serving in the majority. I'm very, very excited and, and I'm proud of our Republican conference. And, you know, you're going to see the commitment to America, uh, you know, what w- the commitment that we've made to America. We want to make sure that, uh, that uh, you know, we have a strong economy. We want to sure, make sure we have safe communities. 
uh, and legislation that's uh, built upon our founding fathers, which is legislation uh, supporting freedom. And of course, keeping the government accountable to the American people. We haven't seen that. And uh, you can touch on a strong economy, which is uh, um, energy independence, uh, critical mineral mining, uh, and, and onshoring our factories and, and what have you, bringing them back. That's a strong economy and keeping the tax rates uh, low so people keep more of the money that they earn. Uh, safe communities, you know, 23 years as a law enforcement officer. I can tell you the law enforcement men and women that I talk to are very concerned about the crime rates, uh, the lack of prosecution, <clears throat> and the fentanyl and drugs coming over yeah. our, our open southern border. And I want your listeners, Andrew, to understand this. More fat, more uh, people are dying between the ages of 18 and 45 from fentanyl deaths than anything else. We have to stop it. And the drug cartels are sending it through the open border. Yeah. And this fentanyl is being manufactured uh, not only in Mexico, but China. And it's unacceptable. Yeah, I, you know, I was talking about it at the top of the hour or uh, top of the show. And uh, the, it, it is it is ravaging our our young population. Uh, our streets and our cities, and it it is tearing at the fabric of our society, and we're doing nothing about it. In fact, the liberal left policy is to enable it. I mean, they open up these uh, drug centers to to shoot up, uh, you know, whatever the drug of choice is, and it is not helping people. And I hope that the Republican majority. Uh, will take some action, whether it gets passed by the Senate or not, take some action and make these people put their vote on the line. Well, I can tell you, you're going to see you're going to see the Republican majority in the House take action. Uh, we're going to put legislation that secures our border, that supports the men and women in law enforcement, that holds prosecutors accountable. I mean, we have uh, we're going to we're going to have a lot of oversight. We can we're going to walk and chew gum at the same time. We're going to yeah. hold oversight. Uh, we're going to hold this administration uh, and members of this administration accountable for the decisions uh, that they made that uh, we know have been disastrous. Um, you know, one of the things we have is uh, the open borders. Uh, we're going to find out why they've made the decision to remove the remain in Mexico, why they didn't finish the wall, and why why uh, is this administration not hiring Border Patrol agents, because those are the things that those professionals have asked for. Yes, um, we're going to get we're going to get to the bottom of why sixty eight billion dollars of military equipment was left on the tarmac in Afghanistan. There hasn't been one oversight hearing on that. Yeah, nobody uh, talks about it. I mean, I mean, it was one of the most the biggest disasters in U.S. history and one of the most embarrassing foreign policy moments and one of the most dangerous I mean, we lost us uh, heroic service members because of that disastrous withdrawal. Uh, General uh, Milley, <clears throat> Secretary Austin, and another a general that I can't remember the name now were asked in a in a Senate hearing who gave this president the recommendation to, right. to, to leave Afghanistan the way he did. All three of them said they didn't. We want to know where it came from and who made this decision. And you're responsible for this decision. And make no mistake about it, that $68 billion of, uh, of American military equipment left on the tarmac is now in the hands of Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, and terrorists across this world. Make no mistake about it. Uh, and it's simply unacceptable. 
Yeah, you know, the Democrats did nothing to look into Benghazi. That's still hanging out there. You know, ambassador gets killed. Oh, well, no big deal. I mean, it's it's horrific. Uh, and yeah. the same thing uh, with regard to Afghanistan. Let me shift gears a bit, uh, Pete, and give you an opportunity to talk about your committee assignments and, and what it looks like for you in a Republican-led House of Representatives. So I'm holding uh, three committee uh, assignments I'm staying on the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. I'm staying on Natural Resources, and I'm staying on Small Business. Normally, you hold two committee assignments, but they've asked me to stay on Small Business as well because of my history as a small business owner. And so um, uh, we have a lot of work to do. What a critical committee it is, too. I mean, the Small Business Committee, uh, small businesses are the backbone of this country. 100%. 100%. I mean, we, we know that. And uh, in 2021, the Biden administration put two, an, additional, an additional $201 billion of regulatory oversight onto our small businesses that, that they have to pay for. These regulations, these additional regulations they put on small business, and it's simply unacceptable. I mean, we need more small business owners uh, in our elected offices so they can so they see and can understand and help educate some of those that haven't uh, you know uh, been small business owners and haven't been in the trenches and haven't had to dig into their own pocket when an, when something unsuspecting comes up that you have to, a capital project that you weren't planning on these are these are things that people that have been in small business um, you know understand and and my natural resources uh, committee i mean we have this administration talking about uh, wanting to uh, uh, have memorandums of understanding with the Congo to mine critical minerals. When in northeastern Minnesota, the Duluth complex, we have the biggest copper nickel find in North America, and they pulled the leases. They will do anything to keep these natural resources in the ground. And we know that we can responsibly develop them. We 75, Andrew, 75% of the world's cobalt comes from child slave labor. And this administration entered into a memorandum memorandum of understanding, a memorandum of understanding, rather, uh, uh, with the Congo on cobalt. And we can handle that right here. A lot of it right up in the 8th Congressional District that Pete Stauber represents. And yet the liberal left is bringing it overseas to help others and using child labor to do it rather than allowing natural resources to be mined here safely and environmentally sensitively here in the United States. And Pete Stauber is fighting for that every day for the 8th Congressional District. We're talking to Congressman Pete Stauber from the state of Minnesota, now in the majority in the House of Representatives. You're darn right, and we're lucky that that has occurred. We've got to expand that majority in 2024. We're going to be back after this short break with Congressman Stauber and continue our discussion uh, about the important issues of the day. We're going to talk about the top priorities for the new Congress, some committee assignments. Maybe we'll ask, how's uh, Adam Schiff and this Swalwell guy doing uh, lately in terms of their committee assignments? I'll tell you. Uh, it was good that that was one of the first moves made by the Speaker of the House. We'll ask Pete Stauber his opinion of that. We'll ask him about the debt ceiling. We may even touch on uh, the uh, state of Israel in the Middle East with Pete Stauber. 
So stay with us. We'll be right back. Go to ParkerDK.com. Also, go to MyPillow.com. Pick up some pillows. Sleepwear. We'll be right back. Stay with us. We're back. It's the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker. Thank you for staying with us as we are on the Minnesota Congressional Parade on the Victory Hour. And we had Dean Phillips on and, uh, several weeks ago. Pete Stauber is with us today. Brad Finstad will be with us next week uh, and down the trail here in a couple of weeks. Michelle Fishbach and Angie Craig will uh, be on the Victory Hour. Yes, both sides of the aisle. We want to hear uh, everyone's opinion and judgment. Do you think that increased taxes on small business, increased regulation on small business will help small businesses, the backbone of this country? Mm. Some people do. Pete Stauber doesn't. Pete, thanks again for joining us on the uh, Victory Hour today. I, you know, as I uh, look at, your committee assignments and and others, uh, the news that uh, was above the fold over the past week has been Leader McCarthy's decision to remove from the Intel Committee both uh, Schiff and Swalwell, Democrats who, you know about both of them, and uh, just this week, Adam Schiff, announced that he is running for the United States Senate in the state of California. Uh, you know, I, I think if lying, dishonesty, lack of integrity uh, gets you votes, he may well win because that is his calling card. What are your thoughts about the speaker's decision uh, regarding the Intel Committee? And also uh, your colleague here, Ilhan Omar, likely to be removed now from foreign relations. Well, let's talk about the Swalwell and Schiff. You know, uh, for your listeners, the Intelligence Committee is the only committee in the U.S. House of Representatives that actually members are placed there by the Speaker. So the Speaker of the House, that's how delicate this committee is. You get the most sensitive secrets and information uh, involving the United States uh, and our government. And so when you talk about uh, Adam Schiff, Adam Schiff sat on that intelligence committee for four years. He misled the American people. He said he had, they had irrefutable evidence that the Trump campaign colluded with the country of Russia. That turned out to be not true. And he kept that narrative. He still continues that narrative today. Yes. Uh, he, he was dishonest and, and, and misled and used that committee for political gain. He did so regarding the January 6th committee. He did so regarding uh, the Hunter Biden uh, laptop uh, completely, uh, as well as the Russian collusion issue that you uh, raised. And, and he did it repeatedly, as you say. Well, he did it for he did it for political gain and to uh, do as much damage uh, to President Trump as he possibly could. And then let's get to uh, let's get to Eric Swalwell. Um, <clears throat> Eric Swalwell, when he was placed 
by Nancy Pelosi when she was speaker on the Intelligence Committee. The FBI requested an immediate meeting with Pelosi and and Leader McCarthy at the time and said, uh, Eric Swalwell has had a relationship with Fang Fang, a Chinese spy, and has done so for the last couple of years. He is compromised. Uh, He could not even, according to the FBI, who told uh, uh, Pelosi and Leader McCarthy at the time, Eric Swalwell could not even pass a basic background check for a private company. And there's no way that he should receive the highest level of of confidential secrets, et cetera, that our government has. And and, uh, uh, Speaker, now Speaker McCarthy has said uh, to Hakeem Jeffries, the majority minority leader now, do not put those two on the uh, on the intelligence committee. There's 200 other Democrats that can fill that right uh, fill those two slots, and he's and he lived up to his word. He told them he wasn't going to do it, and he has removed them from her committee assignments. Well, I'll tell you, it's uh, it's big news and it's important. Uh, you know, things are, are are getting crazy in D.C. as as you know each year, uh, but uh, crazier than the previous. Uh, but certainly, uh, these kind of uh, leaders on the Intel Committee uh, are entirely inappropriate. I want to turn our attention to a few policy items, uh, Pete. What are your thoughts as it relates to the? Uh, uh, debt ceiling first, and then I want to ask you a little bit about our woke education system. Yeah, so you know the debt ceiling is coming up, and and uh, the American people know we cannot continue the status quo in Washington. We cannot continue to spend and spend and spend. Um, so, do they do that up there at the kitchen table in the eighth uh, congressional district? Just spend, you know? You know. <laughs> is that I, I, what people are doing in the eighth? Yeah, Andrew, I can tell you that uh, the American people and all Minnesotans and their families have to live within their budget and have to be responsible. We want to be, you know, we want to be uh, responsible, sensible, and really measured and reasonable in our approach. We have asked uh, Joe Biden to come to the table. Uh, Speaker McCarthy has asked Joe Biden to come to the table and let's talk about a budget. Joe Biden refuses to sit down uh, with Kevin McCarthy and talk about our budgets. And, and, and uh, that's just uh, unacceptable from the president of the United States not wanting to sit down with the Speaker of the House and talk about budgets. Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill sat down and Absolutely. they worked through some of the most critical, difficult uh, yes. divisive issues. Yes. Yeah. Like, like I say, we need to be responsible, uh, sensible and reasonable and measured as we approach this, uh, uh, our, our budget, uh, appropriations. And, and I think that the American people see this, I mean, look at the, the inflation, um, look at what it costs, uh, the, the cost of goods right now. Uh, and it's really, really hurting, uh, the lower and middle class the most, and uh, look at what we're paying for our energy. Uh, Biden declares war on American energy on day one. Does that I mean, affect the 8th Congressional District? Energy policy does, doesn't it? Quite a bit. Energy policy affects every single American, every single business, every single manufacturer, every single mine, and, and, and every household in America. Uh, so when you have, a, when you have a, a, an energy policy 
and a critical mineral policy that this administration has, you're outsourcing, um, you're transitioning before uh, there's product to be able to, uh, you know, transition uh, to, um, you know, wind and solar, they're intermittent, where we know traditional fuels are reliable and affordable. And so this administration is, is that transition, they're forcing it. And um, I think that as far as critical minerals, this administration has made it very clear, Andrew, that they would rather accept child uh, minerals uh, mined in a foreign country by child slave labor than they would the men and women in the 8th District, uh, who we have the best labor standards, we have a great workforce, and we, will ha- we have the uh, great environmental and EPA standards that we follow. They are turning a blind eye to the, uh, the immoral use of child slave labor so they can meet their green agenda. Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's just, it's another, it, it, it ranks up there with what I talked about at the top of the show, drugs. And you talked about drugs, immigration, and this sort of reactionary uh, knee jerk response to the environmental uh, uh, military, if you will, which is what they are. They be, they've had militant, uh, they take militant positions when it comes to the environment without looking at the facts. And it's hurt well, uh, the 8th Congressional District. Andrea, I'll just, I'll just give case in point. A week and a half ago, this said, now just under two weeks ago, rather, this administration said they are going to get rid of gas stoves and go all electric. So when I talk to those people that want that to happen, I tell them, where is the electricity coming from? They can't tell me. I I say it's coming from coal, natural gas, and in some cases, nuclear. That's where it's coming from. And you want to stop oil and gas development? And you have in Minnesota, in particular, we have a nuclear uh, moratorium. Uh, And so and they want to stop the coal. So where are you? Where? That electricity just doesn't come from the plug-in in the wall. Yeah. So they're, not, they're not linking that. And by the way, we do it better than anybody. Our oil and gas uh, extraction, uh, in particular within the Gulf of Mexico and the Permian Basin, is 41% cleaner than wow. any other country uh, in the world. And this administration refuses to do it here. It's wrong. It's wrong-headed. Uh, Pete, uh, we have about uh, one minute left. What are your thoughts on, you know, the education system, CRT, and the woke uh, demands being made? You're going to see uh, you're going to see a piece of uh, legislation coming out of the Republicans. It's called the uh, Parents' Bill of Rights. A Parents' Bill of Rights. All right. And uh, you're going to see that very shortly. It's going to put parents in charge. Parents make the best decisions. And uh, we're going to put them back in control uh, because they know what's best for their child. I love it. We're going to look forward to that. Pete Stauber, Congressman, 8th Congressional District. You know, I'm thanking you once again for coming out of the Victory Hour. And uh, what a great discussion. It was great to see you. Next time I'm in D.C., we're definitely going to catch up. And uh, all the best to you and your family. Uh, Happy New Year as well. I haven't talked to you since then. Uh, Pete Stauber, 8th Congressional District, Republican, now in the majority in the House of Representatives. Thanks very much, Pete. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, Stay safe and and everybody take care of your families. 
We will be back after this short break. Go to ParkerDK.com. Most importantly, stay with us. We're back. And wasn't that uh, wasn't that a nice discussion? I, Pete Pete is a great guy, uh, as most hockey players are. <laughs> but he's much more than a hockey player. And I just I think I I think he really represents the eighth district uh, masterfully and and fits it well and speaks for it and. Uh, uh, it's always great to have him on the Victory Hour. We thank him once again. Uh, remember, next week, Brad Finstead will be on the show. First Congressional District, a rookie uh, who just is now a freshman in the new Republican-led House of Representatives. So make sure to tune in next Sunday uh, to hear that. I uh, spoke about drugs and immigration uh, at the top of the hour, and I'm going to close talking about Israel and a couple of things that have occurred over the last few weeks as it relates to uh, Israel and the difficulties of existing in a very dangerous and unfortunately hate-filled toward the Jewish people and the state of Israel region. Uh, the United Nations, you may have heard, you may not have, because it wasn't published much here in the States when Israel gets hammered and attacked. It often isn't uh, covered until they respond, and then it's covered as if they shouldn't have responded uh, or that they're responding uh, too significantly or forcefully to the attacks, physical, military attacks, or political attacks. Well, in the United Nations, if you know anything about the United Nations, you will not be surprised to hear. They voted to basically pass a resolution to mark the founding of the modern state of Israel, which in May of this year will be 75 years the state of Israel has been reestablished and now exists for 75 years, which is amazing in and of itself in light of what it has had to deal with in the array of military attacks against it, countries that have aligned themselves to destroy and end the state of Israel, and to push all the Jews into the sea, which was, of course, uh, the quote and the, the mantra of the Arab League for many years, led by Egypt at the time. Well, this resolution that the UN passed states that the founding of the modern state of Israel in 1948 was a catastrophe. That is the language. 
Arabs from across the region call it the Nakba, which means catastrophe. And Palestinians consider the establishment of Israel and its existence to this day as the Nakba, the catastrophe. And the world body, the UN, has decided to acknowledge the Palestinian version of events with the resolution which was adopted by a 90 to 30 vote with 47 abstentions. Happily, who knows how Barack Obama would have voted, by the way. He voted against the state of Israel at the UN when he was leaving office like no other president in the history of the United States did. So who knows how he would have voted. But to Joe Biden's credit, the United States, Canada, the UK, and most of the European Union countries, including Germany, voted against this anti-Israel resolution. And I want to underscore that by passing resolutions like this, By the U.N., it emboldens and empowers those that want war, those that want the destruction of the state of Israel. The Jews are not going to allow the state of Israel to be destroyed. They are not going to walk to their death and and total destruction as they did at one time, many did, during World War II. It is not going to happen. Never again means never again. And the Israelis will defend themselves. They have not asked for a single U.S. military troop to come in and defend Israel during any of the wars that the Israelis have had to fight over the many years, the 75 years, and over the many wars that have uh, occurred during that time. Did you know that? Unlike other countries across the world, not a single American soldier has fought to defend Israel in any of those wars. What would you say if the international community celebrated the establishment of your country as a disaster, calling it a catastrophe? It is a disgrace for the U.N. and an embarrassment. The day before the anti-Israel vote, Israel's U.N. mission launched its first ever exhibition, long overdue, documenting the Jewish expulsion, hundreds of thousands Millions expulsion from Arab countries and Iran of Jews. The Jewish communities in the Arab countries lived for millennia, hundreds, thousands of years, communities of Jews living side by side with Arabs. They were all kicked out or killed. And it's important that the world see that. One other uh, quick comment. 
The UN also passed a resolution on bringing Israel to The Hague, the International Criminal Court, claiming that the Jewish people are occupying their land and the eternal capital of Jerusalem in violation of international law. This is false, and it is wrong. A number of other places in the world are actually occupying land. But this is Jewish land. It has been Jewish land for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And it is not occupied land. The Jews in Israel are not occupiers. It has become so commonplace to talk about it, you start to believe it is true. Just like what happened, you know, I'm not comparing, because God forbid anyone do that, in Nazi Germany. You say it enough, you start to believe it, and good people start doing very evil things. We need to put an end to that. And on the Victory Hour, you're not going to hear that. You're not going to hear that mantra of lies. Only the truth. Thank you for joining us. Be with us next week when Brad Finstead will be. Until then, have a great week. Until next time, he leaves you with these words from Winston Churchill. All the great things are simple, and many can be expressed in a single word. Freedom, justice, honor, duty, mercy, and hope.